0: You walk like a chainsaw. The game's bro boy. Please believe it. Keep your Bible with you, cause you gon' be beating Jesus. Beating for thought, stopping hits. And Archie ain't gon' stop dropping. I'ma make a million dollars, then. Staying on the top of it, rocking it till the day I die in the same. Archie with the fat boy, adding the fire to the flame.
1: Sir, and that song brings back memories of uh, our guest today. It was his walk-up song when he was with the Marlins and others. But uh, welcome to the Man on Second podcast on Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Joe Forcero with co-host and producer Dave D'Agostino. And as always, our mission here at the channel is to raise the baseball IQs of our audience. We will do so today with our special guest, former big leaguer and all-around great guy, Juan Pierre the uh, ultimate leadoff hitter back in his day. And and JP would come up uh, to We Ready. And boy, that brings back 20 years ago on the 03 Marlins. Uh, and boy, was JP ready. And so were the Marlins. We'll get, uh, before we bring uh, Juan Pierre in, uh, let's uh, bring Dave D'Agostino in with some announcements. Dave, how are you doing?
2: Oh, great. I'll, I'll keep the preamble short because I want to get get to our guest. Episode 305 here. Just want to thank our Listeners, subscribers, our supporters, 50,000 plus, 74 countries, grassroots MLB front offices. We've got the year of the right people. Thank you for your support. At the end of the show today, make sure you give Joe five stars, uh, write some nice comments. If you don't write nice comments about this guest, and gosh, unsubscribe, please, because this is going to be a phenomenal one. Um, we are now on iHeartRadio. So when we're done with this episode and it airs, make sure you flood iHeart. Let them know that they made the right choice with the right podcast, network, and real voices of the game. Specifically, this show, Man on Second, when they brought us up to the big leagues of podcasting. We got our cup of coffee. Now we want to stay. Um, So we're battling those podcast role analytics just like they do in baseball. And with this guest, Joe, I wish they bottled him when he played because we don't have any more of him in Major League Baseball. We need some more right now. So We
1: we may have some on the way because Juan Pierre has some uh, some kids that are playing and he's coaching them. We'll get to that in a little
2: bit. Thank God. Thank (laughs) God.
1: Yeah, but but thanks for all that stuff, uh, Dave. As as uh, listeners, yeah, we're we're doing our best to to give you the highest quality uh, guests and stories and and just great people. Juan Pierre is among them. Fourteen year MLB veteran, two thousand to two thousand fourteen, played for the Rockies, Marlins, Cubs, Dodgers, White Sox, Phillies, and retired after the thirteen season. Made a return to Miami, uh, played for the Miami Marlins, and then career two ninety five batting average. 2,217 Major League hits, 614 stolen bases. And then get this, Dave, 8,280 plate appearances, just 479 strikeouts. Um, Led the league in stolen bases in 01 with 46, 03 with the Marlins with 65, still a franchise record, and then 10 was with the White Sox 68. So without further ado, Juan Pierre. Juan, welcome, my friend. So glad to have you back on the show.
0: Oh, uh, Great, great to always come in with you guys. Uh, it's a great show. I'm glad to see it growing and um, glad you still want me a part of. You haven't got too big for me yet, you know, <laughs> <Get into> more <laughs> Hall of Famers and all that in a minute. So I, I better get in where I fit in.
1: <laughs> no, you are. You're right up there and you're in our, our Hall of Famer. Hey, JP, get, catch people up. We know you're still involved with the Marlins, helping out when they call, go down to the park when they need you. But uh, I know you, you're coaching your boys and, and catch people up. What you're doing these days?
0: Uh, um, basically, yeah, that's it. I got uh, I help out with the Marlins. I go to Jupiter a little bit, work with the uh, younger guys a little bit, and uh, not as much as the big league, just because of uh, my schedule with uh, with travel ball. I'm, I'm knee deep in travel ball. I got three different teams, um, so I tell I laugh. I say I'm a little busier now than I did when I played so uh and it's a lot more stress I said I can play in front of 50,000 no problem but watching my kids play is gut-wrenching man you can't do nothing for them you just got to sit back and watch and you know cheer them on as a parent and as a coach but uh that's basically it just got games you know games and practices and staying involved uh, with baseball any way I can
1: uh, well, the sport certainly needs you, and it's great to hear that you're doing that. And then on a, on a personal note on my end, we're a little happy in, in my household. Uh, you've met my son several times. He still cherishes the photo when he was still in high school, pictures with him. Obviously, he's now a scout with the Arizona Diamondbacks, who last night popped some champagne as they advanced to the division series. So, And, and you're right, you get more stressed out with your kids. as. When, with the Diamondbacks struggling to get in at the, the tail end, you know, they needed some breaks to go their way. I was more nervous for him than <laughs> anything I ever did in my career. So, you know, as a parent, and Dave is yeah. a coach with his kids, I'm sure he's, he's dealing with that too. But there's nothing like, you know, you know kind of living and dying on what your children are doing as well.
0: Uh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And just to be there to encourage them and support them. And, you know, the, a lot of things that if it does go wrong, it doesn't go the way it can, we know. Like as parents, like sometimes that's the best thing for you, you know, uh, to fail and to to get a back up. But we never like seeing them fail. But you know, sometimes it's it's the best way to go. That's the only way we usually learn, though. We're usually knuckleheads of like that.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, when you talk about failure and and kind of responding from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the Marlins with an amazing run of a the season they had. You know, they, they get to the playoffs, uh, didn't go their way against Philadelphia. You know how hostile Citizens mm-hmm. Bank can be when it when it gets roaring. But what is, you know, what kind of stood out from the Marlins this year? Um, obviously, we know all their guys and you, you know, you worked a lot with Jazz Chisholm Jr. on this transition to the outfield and, and seeing what those guys did. And what did you notice and what should be the takeaway for this team?
0: Oh, it's, it was an unbelievable season. I don't think anybody, you know, probably outside of their, inside of their clubhouse, thought they they could pull this off as 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 what they did. But you know, it started with Kim. You know, when they hired uh uh Skip, Skip you know, was the right man for the job. The 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 team just uh took to what he, what he was saying because their attention to detail. I noticed just being around there in spring training, just a little base running. So you know, I'm a base running like nut. So like. The base running stuff they are talking about, but every day was like a set thing. I'm like, wow, these guys getting – the guys responded well. Um, so it started with Skip, and, I mean, you can't say enough about Luis Arias. I think he changed the whole concept of the offense around around the team. I think he was a big, big addition. I told the Twins, and it was a win-win trade right there. You don't get too many of them. Yeah. I was happy for Pablo to see him move on um, yesterday with the Twins winning, but Luis was the offense – Because hitting is contagious. When you see another guy or you see somebody batting two twenty or struggling, struggling, it makes you feel a little bit better if you're doing the same. But when you see a guy getting hit all the time, you're like, all right, it is possible. This guy's getting hits. Why can't I get him, you know? And I think that's what he brought to the offensive lineup. And um, guys had uh, great, great numbers. But Solaire, Jazz went healthy, had a, a good solid in the pickup of Bell and Berger. You know, we did this without Trevor Rogers, without a healthy Sandy. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I think the 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 future looks bright. I really believe that they 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 got something that can sustain for years to come. And you know, the East is not going to get any easier.
1: You no, know? no, the oh. Mets are going to try to bounce back in a big way. We know the Phillies and Braves aren't going anywhere. That's the challenges. But I was always a believer. At you know, you take care of your own, and you worry about everybody else. You know, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You can't sit there and worry about what the Mets are doing or whatever. You, if your foundation's good, if your players and your culture and your your system's good. That That's how you build it. But i like to expand a little bit more because I'm in total agreement. I think Luis Arise and, and Skip, but first we'll talk about Arise, and Skip. Um, just what he brought to the team, because I agree. I think, and no, no knock on their hitting coaches or whatever, but I, I think a lot can be said for what, what you noted. When you see one guy hitting basically 400 the first two months <laughs> of the year, finishing at 350, uh that just changes a lot you know like you say you, you he's always on base he had a knack for big hits with runners in scoring position but just you know you you were that player too you had year where you hit 320 you know what what does that feel like and what do you feel that does for a team um i just think it it it, it especially
0: with a younger team um because we still got some young hitters in the lineup um number one his work ethic that's what stood out to me with a rise during spring training he was you know, consistent with his work ethic. And as a young player or young hitters, sometimes one day you want to do flips. One day you want to do, t- you know, you're just all over the place. But I think seeing a guy put in the work and then execute it on the field in the games, I think that was the biggest thing because the hitting coach, no doubt they had great hitting coaches this year. Uh, Brent Brown, uh, Mabes, and all those guys did a great job, I think, with the game planning on what to look for and all that. But at the end of the day, when you have a guy in the fire with you that's, that's consistently doing his work and then consistently uh, performing at a high level, I think it just does something to the whole team. It picks everybody up um, and, and guys. I think guys are challenged because ultimately we're competitors. You yeah. know, so you see one guy getting hit, you're like, all right, man, I have to step up. Then you have Soler with the, you know, driving in the runs and, you know, Jesus Sanchez. I I, I think he's he can really be a really good, good player. Uh, as he's still figuring it out. And um, De La Cruz had a really good year. So uh, all the guys had almost career-type years. they just starting. But I think it's from the byproduct of Luis Arise showing those guys how to work and how to execute.
1: Yeah, you know, let's talk about that because, you know, you're a leadoff hitter. He's a leadoff hitter. It, You know, it's a little different leadoff hitter than Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. you know who's you know the 40 bomb yeah, yeah. 198 batting average but you know the 850 uh, ops type of guy uh sure. that's kind of that prototypical get on bet. now he's not the base dealer you were but you know he's an amazing pure hitter uh what that table setter mentality is and and are you seeing enough of that in baseball right now
0: um with luis man, he's 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 a way better hitter than i was cuz you know i bun it I got uh, infield hits. I did all like other – I mean, this guy just straight up hit. You know what I mean? Line yeah. drive after line drive. and um, But, yeah, him just getting on base. But the, the leadoff spot is, I mean, really transformed because the ones that, that really stand out to me is Acuna and yeah. Mookie Betts. You know what I mean? Those two guys, It's it could be one nothing first pitch, which we had a couple of those guys, Soriano when I played – uh, of course, Ricky Henderson back in the days. But what these guys are doing now and the way the analytics set up, it's like it's it's game on from the, the leadoff hitter to the ninth hitter. You know, we're trying to slug. We're trying to, you know. So, um, hopefully, the, the, the speed guy get back. But the big thing when I tell these speed guys I talk to is, like, you got to get on base, though. You can't have a 320 or 310 on base percent, you know what I mean, and be yeah. fast. That You know what I mean? That was most counterproductive, you know, then you rather Schwarber who gets on base, he might bat 200, but he's on base might be 350 or something, you know? Um, So it's, 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 it's definitely has changed, but I think Luis arrives for me and I think for the league was a breath of fresh air because I mean, he hit like, you know, George Brett, the Ichiro's, Tony Gwynn's, Rod Carew's, you know, he brought us back to those days where guys just, I'm just going to get line drives hit. I'm not trying to slug. I'm not trying to hit every ball in the air. I'm just going to get hit.
1: Yeah, I mean, what gets me is even the other day, I think he was facing Alvarado, and, yep. you know, the score was a little – you know, it's lopsided, so it doesn't mean as much in the, the grand scheme of things, but but someone like me pays a lot of attention. Left-hander throwing 99 almost on his hands, and he just shoots it into, like, left center left with center. Ease. You know, it's like –
0: Yeah, like, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. like that's
1: really not supposed to happen unless you have really quick hands, really good hand-eye and get, yeah. and barrel control. And and just knowing what you want to do because like I said like I always you know part of me I, I'm looking at baseball a little bit different than probably your average fan so I'm I'm watching the Marlins every day I'm and such and and I'm also kind of advanced scouting in my mind I'm like well how would I try to get him out then I'm like okay maybe I go velo up and then breaking balls away. you know whatever the game plan I do he covers it all and I actually talked to him about that and he literally works on every aspect where you know I didn't I don't look at his heat map but I'm sure. There are hits all over there. It's not Uh-oh. like he he's his holes have to be so much smaller than than everybody else's. Because he'll handle V low up, he'll handle V low in. He handles breaking balls. He could sit in in uh, on pitches. He his bat, you know, could the barrel could stay through the zone. He, he just you know, it's just a remarkable hitter, and uh, he, he's clearly to me a top five MVP guy. He won't get it, but uh, I think he has to be in the top five.
0: Uh, Without a doubt. And, and, and what people don't realize, like, it, it, it demoralizes a pitcher, so to speak, sometimes. You know, everybody waiting for the bomb. But like, when you got a pitch, when you work a pitch of four, five, six pitches, then you end up still getting a knock on a good pitch. You can just see the pitchers, like, just throw up their hands. Like, this guy hits everything, you know? Yeah, and then the next batter, Soleris might come up. It's like, all right, man. Let me just try to get ahead. I just and then bam, he gets him. You know,
2: yeah. Any
1: mistake um, to Soler his power so much that yeah, yeah. So yeah.
0: it, it, it kind of go hand in hand. But like you know, even that toward the end of the year, you know, he started pulling a couple home runs. I'm like, man, this dude here is like, I <laughs> believe you know what I mean? He's <laughs> up, up the middle. Then he let off a couple games. They try to come in, and he turns on it. You know, he'll take that same pitch back up the middle to the left. It's just uh, – it's no way to get him out, and I think it wears on the pitcher, sometimes special in big situations or leading off the end, and, he, you know, he sees four or five, six, seven pitches in that bat, and he ends up getting the hit. You know, I think it just makes for – that's what table setters were because I was always taught, you know, four, five, six pitch at bat, even if you get out, that's a good at bat, yeah. you know, because you're making the pitcher work, so to speak. And now yeah. with the pitch counts, you know what I mean, you can get the guy out of there in the fifth inning
2: now, you know.
1: No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I want to get to to talk about Skip Schumacher, but
2: I want to bring Dave
1: in. I'm sure he's jumping in,
2: Dave. Oh yeah, yeah. Skip would be great to to chat about. The you know talking about Arise here. I like the points you make, Juan and and Joe. Arise's stats at this time in his career. If you compare him to Tony Gwynn, and it's sacrilegious, I guess, to do that, but. They are identical. I mean, every single stat except for strikeouts, he, he struck out 50 more times than Tony Gwynn, but so did everybody else. <laughs> uh, so I think it's a great comparison. You brought up guys like Carew and you know, brought us back to the old days, and he's done it against the grain. That's not the way the game's played uh, right now, and, and I'm glad to see him do that. Juan, you, you had 215 bunt singles over your career at a 34% clip. That's almost 15% higher than the rest of the league, and you mentioned infield singles. You know, at 249 for your career, only Ichiro and Jeter have more than you. So uh I love that part of your game. In terms of in terms of that mentality, how can you impress upon the players you're working with with the Marlins or I mean your own boys? How do you take that that skill, that trait, that um extra add on that you had and, and impress that upon some young players?
0: Um I know with my kids, they, they, they're they forced to listen. You know, your kids are, don't listen as well, like your personal kids. But uh, I force it on them. But the guys, just to try – and I was always taught, especially because I was a, a, a speed guy, so if I'm going to miss, miss on top of the ball. Don't have your misses underneath the ball because it's going to be lazy fly ball. Even if I do hit it good, it was going to be an out. So we're always taught, hey, if you're going to miss, miss on top. And that goes with the infield hits. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You might be out in front, but you can top one and just, you know, beat it out. And the biggest thing for me is to compete. Like, don't give in if you get two strikes or whatever. Like, compete in your at-bat. Like, hate to strike out. You know what I mean? Don't be – and I know this is going against the grain. You know what I mean? Where strikeouts doesn't matter, you know, in some some analytics. but And, again, you got to know what type of player you are. Sure. Like if you are Soler or you know uh, Josh Bell or these big big boys, yeah, we'll we'll take you striking out a hundred times. But it's it's only two or three in the lineup you can stomach. You know what I mean? You can't stomach seven of those kind of guys in the lineup. You know, um, so if if you're not that big bopper, like you got to hate to strike out. Like put the ball in play, uh, do the little stuff, and um and force even the bunt base hits to probably the bump basis, you said 200 or whatever, I probably got a 1,000 or 1,500 hits because I could bunt. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's taking away the angles from the infield, the guys are playing in. So all that stuff go go hand in hand. But um, it's just – uh, it's hard as far as the big league level, even the minor league level, because uh, you get paid for the slugging. Yeah. You know, I talk to the guys, all these guys, but, hey, you don't get paid for that. They want to see you slug and hit doubles and stuff like that. What you call a good example for the Mars, Xavier Edwards. I yeah. think he was with San Diego before this, or was it Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay before this, and he got caught up last year because they, they wanted him to slug or try to get the ball out. And he said he struggled, and this year he went back to what he knew. And, I mean, he had an unbelievable, you know, minor league season mm-hmm. and really helped the Marlins, you know, in the big league. So uh, it's, it's, it's not – to me it's not all across the board. You know, if you got a guy like an Xavier Heavitts and he can do those types, just let him hit. You know, get the other guy to bop. You know what I mean? Don't try to make him a guy that hits 40, 50 doubles and, you know, he's not capable of it, so to speak.
2: Yeah. And I like the point you made, too. I mentioned the singles, infield singles, and the bunts, but how many other hits did you have because you you manipulated the angles because they were fearful of your speed, your hustle, or the bunt? So I, I, I love that point for the young kids out there. Joe, I've got one more question. It'll probably yeah. lead into your question, too. Kim, skip uh luis you got gm to to skipper pardon the pun mm-hmm. skip to star how important is that line of sight in terms of, in terms of how i guess well the marlins turn the the corner this year and, and put that winning team together
0: oh uh, it's very important you know most of the key teams that are in it right now they probably have that dynamic to some degree somewhere the the gm and the um first the owner the owner and the gm then the gm to the uh to the skip um literally skip the manager, uh, got to be on the same page. You know what I mean? Because you hear stories of uh, the manager wanting to do this and then they're telling them up top what to do and you know what I mean? But it seems like, and I'm not in on any of this stuff, you know, Um, it seems like the Marlins were all on the same page. They uh, uh played the guys that they, they wanted to play and needed to play. And you had a guy, you know, in Luis that was carrying it out in the clubhouse. So I would imagine that you know, Skip didn't have to be the voice in the clubhouse. He had the veteran of, you know, Luis to do it with Soler and Gurriel and these guys mixed in with the young guys. So I think it was a great dynamic. And I think that was one of the biggest reasons that, that they won, that they were on the same page because, you know, it didn't start out like well for, you know, the first couple of weeks or the month. oh, what's going on? But they stayed the course. Guys bought into what they were doing, and then it, it just became fun to watch.
2: Yeah. yeah, I'll turn it back to you.
1: Yeah, uh, I just want to talk about, you know, you hear the expression a lot, JP, that a team takes on the personality of its manager. Yep. And talk a bit what you know about Schumacher's relationship with this Marlins club. And then we're going to talk about Jack McKeon's imprint on the O3 team 20 years ago. When he came in, it just kind of lit a spark in a different way, and got you guys to to shock the world and and win the World Series. But but talk about what do you what do you see in then that dynamic of a team taking on the personality of its manager.
0: Oh, without a doubt. And Skip, if you knew Skip, you know I played against him, um, um, and you knew what kind of player he was. He came up in the Cardinals organization, so he was like a little dirtbagger, so to speak. He did all the dirty work you know, moving guys over, balls in the dirt, and you started seeing even the, you know, even the Solares and, you know, Bell when he came over to burger, burger's a, a really good base runner, you know, and I, I, yep. I was impressed with his base running more than his slugging, you know, Um, but you could tell that that the team put emphasis, and the staff that he had put emphasis on that, and the guys carried it out because some of his, I mean, I've played on teams where it's like, oh, we're going to do base running, we're going to go first and third in spring training, and then, you know, by the fifth game of spring training guys are not running you know i mean it's yeah it's gone but these guys really bought into it and i think skip made a point was like if you're not gonna do it then you won't play you know um so the guys and and it's easier when you get your louisa rise solares jazz that's running balls out and doing those type things it's easier for everyone else to to catch on but uh it definitely was his type of ball team, you know. What I mean, just from knowing him, how his playing days, and and how he uh just paid attention to detail because he was a you know a smaller guy, you know, utility type guy. So he had to fight tooth and nails, you know, for every playing time or stand on the roster and stuff like that. So um, the team definitely, uh, you could see that that part of it in it.
1: And 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 let's go back to twenty years ago when when Jack comes in, kind of lights a fire. We know. We've heard the stories of him knocking the table over like in the first team meeting and not being afraid of getting in guys' faces and reminding. Yet he gave tough love. He he gave support. He knew when to, you know, put his foot on the pedal to get more out of you. He knew when to back off to give you guys a breather. Um and you guys kinda took on his personality in terms of your toughness as yeah. that team played twenty years ago when you won it all.
0: Um without a doubt. We 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 had that pulse and um Torberg was a great manager, um, was nice, really nice, you know, and Jack was used to Torberg, and then Jack comes in here, and like you said, the first meeting, he's he's loud and, you know, not calling people out, but really making his point. And um, I remember one time he locked the, uh, the clubhouse, because, <laughs> you know, the pitches go in and out, eating and all that. He said he locked the clubhouse the one time in the old stadium, and he said you have to get permission to go use the bathroom, you know. So that was – that was the type of thing that we kind of needed. And for, especially for our pitching staff, we had a young pitching staff, but he made those guys pitch. Probably uh, frowned upon these days, but guys were in the field, six in maybe looking to come out, and Jack sending them back out there. You know what I mean? Taught those guys to learn how to pitch, a little bit fatigue, you know, how to work through it. And I think it helped us during the playoffs because, I mean, it's still remarkable what Josh Beckett did with Pavano and Penny, you know, all during the playoffs. Um, but that's that's exactly what we needed though. Um, I, I think probably half of his tactics probably would not be <laughs> today, uh, like I said, frowned upon. But we knew he it, all, every time he kind of chastised us or got on us or kicked us in the rear end, it was all out of love. He was trying to get the most out of us and that's exactly what he did. And we became a team and then by the end of it, we were policing ourselves. He didn't have to say a word, uh, everybody knew and everybody held their own selves accountable uh and and being such a young team that was a, when you are looking back on it, it was like wow we 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 actually did that being so young but uh Jack was definitely the spearhead of everything and um he was the right man for the job
1: yeah and I'm going to give you a quick anecdote i don't know if i told you this story ever before but you guys lose game 1 at san francisco mm-hmm. when jason jason schmidt and josh beggett both throw great games and the and the giants win game 1 and your backs are to the wall. Those were three of five back then, the, the, you know, against a hundred win giants team in a very hostile place to play in San Fran. And in the beat writers, we talking to Jack pregame, you know, just ourselves, it wasn't a big group setting. And, and we're like, you know, how the guy's doing and what, and he's like, he goes, everybody in the front office was in there and they're all saying, you got to talk to the team. You got to tell them this. And, and Jack's like, why? He goes, mm-hmm. uh, and then he tells us, he goes, they they were want some big, you know big motivational speech that Jack to give, And Jack tells us, he goes, those guys know exactly what they need to do. They don't need to hear from me. Mm. And you guys went out and you won game two, and then came back to Miami and closed the series out by taking three and four. Yeah. And you don't have to go back to San Francisco for game five. But that's where an example of Jack sitting there going, you know, a younger manager or whatever might have felt the need to tell a team that loses a heartbreaker in game one that you need to win this game. He didn't need to put any extra pressure on you. He figured you guys were fine. He didn't see anything in that game uh, to in game one to say, I need to get on these guys or remind them. Wow. That's, that's, I,
0: I didn't realize that. And just thinking back to hearing you talk about, I don't remember us having any meetings all during the playoffs. You know what I mean? I can't recall, even when when we're down three one, maybe we had a meeting when we we're down three one to the Cubs, but I I don't recall it, so it wasn't like you know what I mean uh, a chewing out or or let's get in the gear type deal. Um, so that that's that's pretty cool uh to 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 see, and and and, and that's just having a pulse of the clubhouse. You know, you know, you guys. We had Conan, we had Lenny Harris, we had Gerald Williams. You know, guys have been in the playoffs and been through it. Uh you know, really to calm us younger guys down. So, you know, it was a really good mix.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and other times, just during the course of that year, there'd be times where you guys would, let's say, win five in a row and Jack might yell at you because he didn't like something he saw or then you might lose five in a row and he won't say anything because he's like, they're already beaten up. They're beating themselves up. They don't need me to beat them up. It was just, yeah. just that, like you say, reading the clubhouse where the times you would think he wouldn't shoot you out, he does. And then the opposite time, he doesn't. So I guess that's the feel of, of you know, coaching and managing.
0: Yeah, yep. And I think that still holds true to this day, even with the analytics and, and all that stuff. You know, the, those those guys in the club are still human beings. You know, at the end of the day, you got to know how – what makes each other tick. You know, what guy you can you can – you got to console, what guy you can leave alone, what guy – I think as a manager, um, that's that's still the recipe, and I think Skip did that really well this year. You know, of, of reading the clubhouse and you know having guys sprinkled in there to, to 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 keep guys going and 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 just knowing. And I'm sensing this. I, I like I said, I haven't been around a lot. I was in spring training, but not during the year. But from the outside looking in, you know, watching the dugout after they clinched, so many guys gave uh, Skip a lot of credit. You know what I mean? So that let me know that, you know, he had the clubhouse because, you know, sometimes they give interviews after and they don't say anything about the manager. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So when guys, you know, and I think when Josh Bell was in, he came over, he said, hey, man, when I came over here, Skip had a real, you know what I mean? He was just getting there in the middle of it, you know? So that that let me know that Skip had the ear of the clubhouse and that, you know, the guys really respected him and trusted him, so to speak. Yeah. Dave.
2: Yeah. Um, and this may take us off a little bit to left field. We can bring it back again. But I want you to talk about your your children. You're coaching them right now. Could you give us a little bit about them, brag on them a little bit? Vitals. You know, <laughs> and uh, we won't let them hear it if you say good things about them. Keep uh, yeah. Share a little bit about them.
0: Um, so I have an 8U team, that's coach pitch, a 9U is kid pitch, and a, a 12U um, team. So And my biggest thing with them, I know parents, they don't understand it. And I'm like, I'm like a jackman. I I take pieces of all my managers, you know what I mean, and and put in these little kids. But my biggest thing, if you hustle, give an effort, be a good teammate. That's all I care about. I don't care if you strike out. I don't care if you pop. You know what I mean. I don't care if you walk the house because that's baseball. You know what I mean. Um, That's gonna happen. But I do know being a good teammate you know hustling you know i'm a big stickler running the balls out you know running on and off the field and all my players could tell you there's like what time would coach only get upset i don't get upset but what what that i would say something is when guys walk on the field or walk off or not hustle you know um that's my biggest thing and people are like, oh what do you do i teach in the game you know yeah. and i kind of most of the time it's it's like a professional style practice you know what i mean it's not like a little league practice we do stuff same way we did in the big leagues, but it's 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 more on attitude and effort. That's all I'm saying. Attitude and effort. You know, not throwing your helmet, not pouting, because the thing is, you you won't be able to play baseball at any level if you're gonna pout and cry every time you get out. And not they're young, you know. What I mean, eight-year-old, I have a little softer thing. Nine's a little softer, but the twelves, I'm a little more stern on because they're about to go to middle school and in high school, but it's been a real enjoyment, man. Seeing these guys, uh, especially my kids improve, but all the kids just improve and, 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 and being taught the right way, uh, how to play the game, but mostly, you know, off the field to respect their parents, respect their teachers, stuff that they're going to be able to use no matter if they play baseball or not, you know, and I always tell guys, my goal is to, if they want to play, get them ready to try to uh, compete and play in high school. Whatever they do after that, that's a bonus, in my opinion. But uh, I'm really different, similar, because the travel ball is a different beast. You got these professional travel ball coaches. They talk to the kids any kind of way. They throw these kids, like, 80 pitches with, like, 30 40% of them breaking balls, you know, at 12 years old. I'm like, what do we got here, man? So, every day in the tournament, I have to just bite my tongue because stuff that I see, I'm like, well, what do we got going on here, you know? But – I'm glad to be involved and, you know, try to change it in any way I can.
1: Yeah. JP,
0: how, what's your
1: uh, base running drills like for 8, 9, and eight,
0: nine, 12? Base running drills, same thing. Running, running the balls out, running through first base, making turns on the base hit. That's where my 8U, because they're not leading off yet. Um, you know, my 9U is balls in the dirt, you know, at this level. If a kid drops a ball, no way they pick it up and throw you out, you know. So we get a lot of extra bases. We, we do a lot of balls in the dirt drill. We do a lot of steel break drills. Stuff like literally the stuff I did when I played, I'm introducing it to them now, you know, especially the base running stuff. Like, uh, you know, going half. have, you know, as little kids, as soon as the ball goes in the air, they just want to tag. You know what I mean? But, like, now I'm, like, telling them to go halfway. You can get off. If you catches. you just go back. If not, I got to have you score. Just stuff like that. Now, some do some of them get it? Some of them get it. Some of them don't, but you introduce and you keep hammering on it, and then they 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 improve. And then you know how it is—you teach them teach it and the game it goes off, and they do it. You're like, wow, you know what I mean? That's yeah. that's awesome. They getting it. So uh, steel breaks, just every everything like like what we ever did with the the Marlins or Dodgers, or whatever team I was on. You know, I incorporated with with and everything's on a time schedule. You know what I mean? So we use that practice for two hours. So I got it broke down just like spring training, you know, from five, five, ten stretch, five, twenty, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, it's, it's organized. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like boom, 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 boom. So, yeah. um, learned, what about, learned, about
1: like, sliding, JP? What about sliding? Head first, feet first, any feet feet first. Different?
0: Yeah, feet first. And I mentioned Jazz. Jazz got all my team on these ice cream. Sliding mitt. So I have a rule when I say, look, you can wear your sliding mitt. I don't want any of you sliding head first. Slide feet first. I say, but if you miss one sign by trying to put on this sliding mitt, then you can't wear it. That's the rule. That's the rule. Because they'll get over there and not picking up the sign and trying to put this mitt on their hand, which they ain't even supposed to be sliding head first. So that's one of my big pet peeves, bro. I would, I would like to burn all those sliding mitts, man.
2: I did. No sliding, <laughs> no shin guards, no, no arm. Yeah,
0: man. Now you on my uh, page, man. I'm like, you don't a, need all that
2: now, man. I told him, get a game first and then we'll get you that stuff later. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I, how about the parents? When you talk about attitude, effort, behavior with the kids, how do you handle the parents?
0: Um, parents been, been, I've been fortunate enough to have uh good parents and, you know, I had to set the presidents early, you know, especially with the eights because the eights are usually coming. the parents are coming from travel ball. So they, a lot of dads are used to coaching their kids. So this is the first time where they're not coaching their kids. So, you know, of course, they're yelling from the stands and, you know, telling little Johnny this. And we're trying to tell little Johnny, and little Johnny's just all confused. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but but they've been good once, once, once you hammer in. I'm like, hey, if we're not saying nothing to your kids, I said, don't you think we notice it? Like, we see stuff. The same stuff you see, we probably see and more. But we don't say nothing because why? Because I do a lot of teaching in the practice. I try to teach in practice. But once the game, I want them to go out there and play. Like, I'm not going to be trying to yell how to hit and, hey, man, get you a good pitch to hit. Let's go. You know what I mean? That's that's the, When someone's at the plate and on the bases or pitching, hey, man, get out in front. You're fine. Let's go. You know what I mean? But that's – and in practice, we'll do the teaching. We'll break it down and stuff. But in the game, you go out and have fun. So the parents get a little antsy. The closer the game, the more answer they get, you know. If you win winning by a lot, then you don't hear a word from them, you know. But when it gets close, then you got all kind of coaches from the stands and all that. But my parents, I do have parents that have been really good about, you know, letting us coach them and letting us um, have them for that couple hours.
2: I'll share my drill I do with parents with you off the air to get them out of that habit real quick.
0: Okay, yeah, I, I need to know. Give me all the goods, man. I'm a rookie at all this stuff, so I'm a, I told my 12 year old, that's my oldest. I said, you're the guinea pig, man. Yeah, I said you're the guinea pig. I'll know all this stuff once, uh, once the other ones come through.
2: I'm a rook too. 20 years as a college coach. I played minor league baseball, college baseball, but this is my. I'm as I'm as eyes wide open as you are right now, seeing some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, 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 it's really, and you see stuff like on the social media, you're like, man, where are they playing? But like being in, especially in South Florida, I've physically seen umpires, coaches yelling, like really coming to fight. You know what I mean? I'm like, man, it's not that serious, man. It's for the kids, bro. <laughs> but I've physically seen it. And I'm like, it's, 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 it's a doozy, man. But, uh, that's what makes me excited to be a part of it. Just, uh, to, to, to show a different way. And it's not just me. I mean, a lot of coaches do it. I don't say that everybody's crazy and stuff like that. There's a lot of good coaches out there. And it's just, you know, with the parents, some people and the coaches, they lose sight that it's about the kids, you know. And um, the tournaments are not set up for uh, about the kid because sometimes you have to play five games in two days, you know.
1: Like, how is that helping the kid, you know? Like, you don't have enough pitching for that. JP, Beautiful. do you have your kids play multiple positions? Obviously you have to with these rosters. Yeah. but talk about the importance because we get a lot of, a lot of coaches and, and kids and parents listening. So what advice do you have about get, positional versatility?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's always good, you know what I mean, and the, and the better the team you have, the better you can move guys around. You know what I mean, if your team's not that good, or if, you know or if you have you know even at this level, when I get 11, 12, eight, nine, like it's like the guy's an outfielder. Like he can't catch the ground, like we work on him with ground balls every day, everybody plays the infield and the outfield in practice, and then you know it is travel ball, so the the better kids will play the the position we feel that's better, but if you can move him around like my kids, I like my kids to try to play everywhere, you know, but uh and then in tournament time, if it's you know the elimination, then you know we'll we'll zero in on one, well, I, I don't want to put a posi- a kid in a position that I know he won't succeed. So if a guy's winning practice and he's missing eight out of 10 ground balls, I'm not going to put him at third base in the game, yeah. you know, not yet. Unless he does what he needs to do in practice and stuff like that. So um, I'm not like a super competitive where I'm trying to win every tournament like the gurus, but I do want to put a good product out there. And and you can tell Joe, like baseball and Dave, like it's, it's a sport where if, if you're not the nine that's starting, man, like, it's not like it's not like basketball, football, where you could just run people in and out, yeah. you know. So it's a tough sport at the young level when you compete. If you're not, I think I have 10, 10 kids on my 12 U, and I think 11 on the nine. So it's uh, it's difficult to get everybody in and keep everybody happy. But, you know, we do our best and, 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 and try to And when I do tryouts, I set up a team. You know, what I mean, I'm looking for certain players to fill out a team. I just don't want all the best or whatever players. I'm looking for something to fill out a team, which that part doesn't go over well with the parents too much either.
1: No, no, I hear you. I, <laughs> I, I remember when when my son was playing travel at a, at a younger age and uh, his trying out out in Weston, and the coaches were like Omar Dahl and mm. Alex Arias, like two of the greatest guys to work with kids, wow. and and their kids were there and. And it was just like, and then they played like Alex Fernandez had a team, mm-hmm. and that team was like loaded, like nationally ranked type team, wow. and they like lost big to that Alex Fernandez team. And those and the parents in Weston were ready to run Omar Dahl and Alex Arias, you know, out of town for losing. And I'm like, you don't know how lucky you are to have your kids working with like two real gentlemen who are patient with kids who yeah. who, are, who are playing the big leagues and were really good guys and. But but that's South Florida baseball. South
0: Florida uh, baseball. And usually they won't realize it until they go somewhere else and then, like, realize that it wasn't so bad, you know, with Alex Harris and those guys. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. How fortunate you were to have someone who – and like I said, they – like you were just saying, they ran their batting practices like a big league, mm-hmm. you know, batting – you know, a big league camp or or batting practice at before a big league game. And the funny thing is, is like Omar Dahl was a pitcher and he's throwing your kids like 11 year old kids are getting pitches from Omar Dahl, who's throwing everything where they can hit. How many how many of these youth leagues do not have anyone who could throw batting practice and give a kid three hittable pitches out of 10 and you got a guy just perfect pitches and they're executing everything perfectly. I'm like, how could anybody be mad at this? It's like-
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And you would think like the uh, people would be like, all right, I think this – and I always look at it like this. Like if my kid played basketball and he had like, I don't know, Donis Haslam or, so you know, just an yeah. a, a NBA guy, I'm not going to sit on the side and be questioning nothing this man is doing. I don't care how much YouTube I've watched. I'm like, this guy <laughs> has to know more than I know. So yes. I'm going to trust him and to do whatever, you know what I mean? But, I mean, the the stuff where they, they like, call you out type stuff, you yeah. know what I mean? Not, like, respectfully either, you know what I mean? Now you respect. Hey, man, what's
1: No, it's like they think you know, they're better than you, Dominic yeah, exactly. or, or, or Juan Pierre or Omar Dahl or Alex yeah, Arias. I'm not saying I know everything, but I know something, you know. Yeah. No, it's uh, – they keep – they keep you humble. That's for sure. That's for sure. That's for
0: sure, man. Yeah, yeah. But but why I stay in it? It's it's for the kids. Yeah. And I see the because I've yet to have too many kids that was upset that been on my team. Now parents, yes, but the kids usually have a blast. And you know, some kids and I and I'll do that. I'll, I have some kids that I told them, like, look, they got other teams out there that's probably on another level where you can play more, you can bat. You know, up in the lineup and stuff, where you might be batting at the end, and yo, if and I'll tell the parent like it would probably be a good good situation for them to go get more reps and do that type stuff. You know, and if any way I can help out, I help out. I'll call the coach and tell he said, look, I got a kid over here that can help you out. You know, and but people, you know what I mean? They don't, you know, they just think you you don't want the kid. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah, you're I'm trying to do what's best for the kid, and that's, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So. <laughs>
1: Uh well anybody out there who's not listening to the advice of the Wampiers of the world um please hopefully cooler heads and smarter people will prevail uh and uh, we're getting the time push for time uh Dave any final questions for for JP
2: yeah uh, JP give give a one singular piece of advice that you give to your hitters I know you mentioned we you talk to some of those speed guys to miss on top? Mm-hmm. What kind of advice do you give to your young hitters? You got eight, nine, twelve year olds. What, what are they? What are they trying to accomplish when they get to the plate? for you? Um,
0: I just tell them to be confident, like believe you can hit. You know, my twelve year olds a little different because they. Uh, but like at you know nine, ten, like your swing is your swing. You know, like we would try to do mechanical stuff, and all these guys do lessons with the gurus and all that stuff. So I, my biggest thing is believe you can hit. Go up there and be confident and be ready to hit. You know, um, wherever it's pitched, be ready to hit, be aggressive. You know, um, I'm not a big technical guy, especially not at this age. Because one thing is, even at the big league level, you don't believe you can hit, you ain't going to hit. You know what <laughs> I mean? So the first start is just that confidence, having that belief. And my biggest saying, uh, the team actually made a shirt, was so what? Like, if you swing at one up in the sky or in the dirt, so what? You got another strike. Like, don't worry about it. You know, if you happen to strike out, so what? Go get the next one. Um, So that's a big phrase my parents all use. Even if you mess up, it's like, so what? So what, man? This is baseball. You know, stay after. But hitting-wise is just, man, just be aggressive um, and believe you can hit. And that's where it all starts. I don't care what kind of swing you got. If you believe you can hit, you'll get some hits.
2: It's amazing how so many of us progress through college and professional ranks without having a hitting guru when we were younger, huh?
0: I know, right? I know, right? And you like one you and then you get here, he's like, what is this guy teaching these kids? Like what we got here? You I mean, know? So I mean that's why, that's why I, I really don't say too much because music it music probably gonna contradict what they're learning. And again, as kids you have your your hitting coach saying something, your dad saying something, then I'm saying something, then you know what I mean the kid has no shot, but um yeah, it's a, and, and that's the biggest thing that I I, I don't like about travel ball. That a lot of these people are making money off these kids. You know, it's just a straight money grabber. Yeah. You know, and they're not concerned with the kid and this development and the love of the kid. It's like, hey, I'm just trying to do this lesson, get my money, or be in this tournament. If I, if I win this such tournament, then I get recognized as a coach. You know what I mean? It's all about that. And then, uh, okay, we're in a big tournament, so I got kids that practice with me all week, but I'm going to go get five other kids to come guest play so I can get yes. the tournament. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, we got here. Man. And the parents just stay there and, and, and do it, you know? I'm like, you got to get out of there, you know? So that's why we, we compete. We're kind of middle of the road because I don't do that. I don't try to go get guest play what I got. I try to teach, especially my kids and my personal kids, to be a team how to be a good teammate on one team, you know what I mean? You start pulling for each other and coming together as a team. And then, and then, you know, you'll play better than that. Not, okay, we got three guys. We got a tournament over here. We're going to just go guest play over here. Next week, we're going to just go over here and play. So there's no development, no practice. You don't know how to run the bases. You don't, it's all, hey, throw as hard as you can, hit the ball as far as you can. and, And unfortunately, this is what you get in the minor leagues now. (laughs) you know all travel ball kids that you know they were really good because they got drafted so they just guest played every weekend you know it's 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 unfortunate but they never learned how to play the game so you get these guys in the minor league now you got to teach them the game
2: one kid
1: at a time jp yeah, Juan, yeah, yeah. that's down. what you got to do though. You know, if you, yeah. if you can change the life of, and that's kind of when I'm working with young kids and, you know, and, and some of the ventures I'm working on and trying to get mm-hmm. exposure, you get one kid at a time and and next thing you know, they're teaching it to somebody else. So I think the important thing is, is the Juan Piers of the world are, are teaching the, the kids. And I think that's just great for development. And I hope um, a lot of the lessons and, and the examples you're giving I hope our audience, especially those uh, with with kids and stuff at that age, are paying attention to because this is the advice of the experts. Anything else you want to say, JP? No,
0: just, just, just glad to be on the show again, man. Anytime you want me on, Joe, you know I'm. I'm here for you and, and Dave, man. I appreciate you guys giving the platform, and it's just really uh, neat and cool what you guys are doing. And um, just keep it up, man. And, uh, and don't forget about me, man. I see y'all <laughs> on a hundred different countries. You forget about me, now.
1: all right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to head out there and watch your teams. Your teams play. What park are you guys at?
0: We're at uh, we're in Parkland, but we play down south too. We actually in a Pembroke Pines tournament right now.
1: Where? Because
0: I in I live here. Yeah, I'll, I'll text you the stuff. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah but we're down there through this weekend, so okay.
1: Maybe I'll swing by. Yeah, I Definitely. got some high school football I go to, but I'm going. I'll go, in, I'll go in and see. Yep. Okay. So, Sounds good.
2: Yeah. Uh, Dave. Oh, we'll just we'll sign it off. Three episode three hundred five here. Fifty thousand plus subscribers got got a great uh, listen today. Seventy four countries is one Mention One we're never going to forget about you, buddy. You are leadoff <laughs> guy from here to the end of time here. So we got you penciled in the lineup every day. Out. I'm going to give you two quick things with the with that. Uh, you mentioned this with the parents. We have our phrase. It's called, it's not about me. I make <laughs> them all say it before the game. All our coaches have to say it. And then um, as far as guest play, I, I told the kids, I don't own you, but I'll tell you what, I won't bring guest players in, but you guys don't go guest play for other people. Mm. And, and we we took away hitting and pitching coaches externally because- I said, treat it like your family. When you have a problem in your family, you don't go outside your house to fix it. You fix it right. inside the house. So if you have a hitting problem, pitching problem, we've got you. And what I found is these guys were going outside. And every time they come back, to me, it's like, geez, I got to spend practice fixing what that guy messed up. <laughs> exactly. So It's exactly. killing me. But yeah. sorry, I digress. That's my, my therapy to deal with. But um, thank you for, for uh, the episode today. Make sure you guys go on and give Joe five stars, whether it's Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio that we're on now. Write some nice comments on it. And Juan, we'd love to have you back anytime.
1: Uh,
0: thank you. Anytime you need me, I'm here for you guys. Uh,
1: perfect. I appreciate you again, as, as you know. Uh, and I want to get one of those So What t-shirts at some point too. So we'll we'll try to make that happen in the near future. I got you. I
0: got, you. I got both of you guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with,
1: with that, uh, again, special thanks to, to Juan Pierre, one of the best um, and a Lot of advice, uh, from the big leagues, grassroots, all the way up to the big leagues as as, as Dave frequently mentioned. Dave, thanks again. Great, great show. Um and we appreciate it at the channel all you do. We're growing this thing. Uh this Real Voice of the Game is, is a serious network and we're growing and it's it's a lot of fun and and having these these guests like Juan Pierre and, the, and all the pros that are involved at the channel are, are making this a very special uh, place to, to be part of. And we're doing it for you, our audience. we hope you're getting something. We want the next generation to hear our voices. We feel they're very important to keep hearing, and uh, we'll keep bringing it to you. And with that, I'm Joe Forsaro, man on second, and we are out of here.